Welcome to another fun-filled weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again at SidK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday for a sneak peek right here on YouTube. You can catch the audio versions of this podcast at War on Anchor. Once again, that's at War on Anchor. That drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio versions. That's at War on Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can go to our website, WeAreRigoRadio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, we will. I'm Jagly Fun. Lakina, let's start off as usual with baseball. One team that is having fun on on one side of town, and that's the North Siders and the Chicago Cubs. The men in blue made history this past Thursday in Dodger Stadium in Southern California, Los Angeles, to be exact. The ball club pitched uh, uh, pitched their first combined no hitter in team history. Congratulations to Zach Davies, Ryan Turpa. Andrew Chafin and Craig Kimbrough, who all held it down for the men in blue as part of a 4 nothing win of the Los Angeles Dodgers in the first of the four-game series. Lakina, I believe it's the uh, seventh no-hitter in Major League Baseball this year officially. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll count of course, eight. Of course. I'll say we're going to count you. eight because, you, you know, <laughs> Bumgarner, we're, keeping, we're giving you that no-hitter, my friend. Yes, yes, you read my mind. <laughs> See, great minds think alike. <laughs> so the Cubs made uh, history with a combined uh, no-hitter as, as part of that 4 nothing shutout win against Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the game uh, started off with a Javi Baez solo home run uh, in the first inning. Of course, the Cubs picked up two more runs in the sixth, one in the seventh to seal the deal. Lakina, we talked about it on the show uh, throughout the whole season, at least for, uh, figure for at least for the last month. Uh, that Cubs bullpen uh, has been just about lights out. They're human, just like everybody else. Uh, we saw that last week during their uh, uh, during their uh, losing streak. But uh, I guess uh, one of the, top, uh, the defending world champions in the Los Angeles Dodgers, they, uh, they came to play on the road on Thursday. Uh, that bullpen it has been tremendous. Zach Davies, he's been great during the month of June. We talked about his start against the uh, Cardinals a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Baseball, pitching shutout ball. Uh, he did his thing on Thursday, pitching shutout ball and no hit ball, obviously against the Dodgers. I think I believe they still need another starting pitcher, but mm-hmm. what they did on Thursday night was incredible. You had to give the props for that. I mean, well, the you know, this is a crazy thing about it is I think, like you said, this is their first combined no hitter, and this is actually just the fifth time, fifth or, fifth or sixth time that a team has no hit the defending World Series champions. So you know, that's a so take that you know that little trivia for mm. what it's worth. Um, I mean, look, I think look, I know people look at that and say, well, they had like eight walks. You know, Davies had five walks, but this is sort of like the Edwin Jackson mm-hmm. no hitter, if you will. You know, he had about five or six walks during his no hitter. But look, I mean, he, he threw like 130 pitches too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you know, that was a little bit you know, you know crazy there. But uh, 
But look, I mean, look, they did what they had to do. I mean, Davies, he got out of that those messes with those walks. The pair did his thing. You know, Chafe has been lights out. Kimbrel's been lights out. The crazy thing about it is that I think uh, Chafe and Kimbrel had no clue what was happening. Tapera what mm-hmm. Tapera thought. That Tapera knew what was happening, but you know Chafin and Kimbrel didn't, because I guess you know the way the if you saw if you see Dodger say the way it's set up, the, the the bullpen, the opponent's bullpen is like right on the other side, and you can't see the scoreboard, so it's plausible that they probably did not know that Chafin and Kimbrel did not know that, you know, that what was happening, but you know they you know they. You know, if you heard Kimbrel's um, interview afterwards, you know, he was like, well, you know, okay, cool. And, but, you know, they got the win, which is the most important thing. Bias, Bias had a couple of big hits yesterday, last uh, Thursday night. Contreras, who caught his first no-hitter, so yeah, congrats mm-hmm. to him. He had a couple of RBIs and a homer, so. Look yeah. At, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, yeah, so, it, it, look, this is a great, great start for the Cubs. Hopefully, you can at least split the series with the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers have had their struggles lately with the injuries, and you know this. This yes, you can see their lineup. This isn't you know the the top Dodgers lineup right now because of some of the injuries. But mm-hmm. look, I think you, you know, like you don't take this away from for the Cubs. I mean, and plus the Cubs have been actually been playing very well. I think their over under was seventy nine for their win total. They're already at forty two mm-hmm. as of this recording. So, the, just just a great performance, and you got to think that. Rossi should definitely be in contention for NL Manager of the Year right now. Uh, focusing on that Cubs offense, uh, of course, um, we're focusing on what happened on Thursday night with the, with the history being made. But with that Cubs offense, they scored 11 runs in their last two games as of this recording. Of course, they scored, I believe, seven runs against uh, Cleveland in, this, in the only victory against them this year, this past Tuesday. So they split the two-game series at Wrigley, of course. Uh, they scored four runs on Thursday against the Dodgers. So those bats are starting to come around. You mentioned Wilson Gutierrez. He had the big two-run blast in the sixth inning. Javi Baez looks like he's starting to show some power a little bit. Anthony Rizzo's coming around a little bit. Chris Bryant's cooled off a little bit, but hopefully he'll come, he'll come around uh, as this series continues this weekend uh, for the customers. As we mentioned, again, for the past couple of weeks, this was the toughest part of their schedule. I know they get Philadelphia at home, and by the I believe, next weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so – and they get Cincinnati spring it up in there too. That's not going to be easy because those are division rivals that they don't like each other. So you, those will be tough games as well. You should be able to win that series. But for the for the Cubs, uh, the offense looks like it's starting to come around, and you start to see some big names starting to heat up. Now uh, injuries happening to the Cubs right now with uh, Nico Horner, uh, Nico Horner, and and, and a couple of other guys. But uh, Jake Moransnick uh, uh, came through with a big hit on Thursday night. And you see uh, Rafael Ortega, who's been filling in nicely at center field. He played on Thursday night. Yep. He gives you a quality at bat every time he's up at the plate. He's not going to get a hit every time, but he makes he makes the pitcher earn earn, earn their keep. So uh, if you're David Ross, assuming you get everybody healthy within the next couple weeks or so, you go, really have some valuable options there. Of course, Patrick Duffy has been the story over the last month. He's cooled off a bit in terms of his power, but he's still contributing to the lineup. So when the Cubs, if and when the Cubs get everybody body back healthy, uh, David Ross will have some parts to play with. And I think if you're David Ross, that's a good problem to have. You have all those pieces, mm-hmm. have you know, guys like Matt Duffy and guys like Jock Peterson, you know, has been you know, proven to be a really good signing for the Cubs. Ortega, you know, you mentioned him, said, I mean, look, he's going to make you work for it. Wizzo's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, tapered off, you know, kind of tapered off a little bit, but he's still, still a very formidable hitter. 
you know, Hayward's had his struggles, but you know, he had some, you know, some, you know, some you know, time. He drew a walk in that in that Thursday win, Thursday shout out win against the Dodgers. But again, like you said, once they get everybody back, I think who knows. Now, if you're Jed Hoyer, once you get into the trade deadline, what can you do? Can you try to maybe get you another starter if you can get one at for the, for the cheap? Look, you, look, you can never have too many bats, but I think pitching is really mm-hmm. what the where the Cubs. I think they need another starter too, especially if you're talking about contending in the National League, which I think, if you know, considering what ha- what's happened this week, you still have a shot overall in the yeah, whole we- National League. Yeah, you talked about it before, Lakina. I know you suggested that if you're Jed Hoyer, it doesn't hurt to get another big-name arm in that bullpen. Why not? You want to send a message not only to your competition within the NL Central, but to the rest of the National League, including the Dodgers, uh, that you had to come go, come through us. You want to go to the World Series. We have the best bullpen in the National League, perhaps in all of baseball. And so uh, I don't know if Jed Hoyer is going to get all three of those needs addressed at the trade deadline, but – uh, another starting pitcher would not hurt. It would help, yeah. Because considering uh, Zach Davies, as I mentioned before, um, he's giving you a great month of June. Kyle Hendricks is starting to turn around a little bit. He's not where he was a few years ago, but it's been good enough because he's been backed up by the offense. And of course, Jake Garrietta, he's he's been struggling as of this podcast. He pitched uh, in the game on Friday. Uh, he, uh, Ariadne has been struggling and he got off to that surprise at the start in April. He's been downhill ever since. So uh, Albert Azale, who will pitch on uh, on Sunday, which is tomorrow for those of you listening to our podcast, uh, he'll pitch tomorrow on Sunday night football. Sunday night football, good grief. Uh, Sunday night baseball <laughs> against the Dodgers to wrap up that. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll pitch on Sunday night baseball, which is tomorrow for those of you listening to our podcast um, to against Clayton Kershaw to wrap up uh, the four game series. So uh, as uh, he's been good ever since his return from injury. So uh, if, if you're a Cubs fan right now, you still should be hopeful. As we told you guys throughout the season, this NL Central is up for grabs and the Cubs just continue to play above. 500 ball, you should be able to win this division. It's not going to be easy, but you should be able to uh, win this division. Yeah, you really should. And I think, look, does, does anybody else scare you? I mean, do the Cardinals scare you? Do the Reds, you know, they've had their moments, but, you know, they're up and down. The Brewers, you're sort of like mirror images of them. So you're kind of like, okay, you know, sort of like the game of. Pop. We said this, they're the wild card in all yeah, this. They are. So we'll see if they make any moves during the trade deadline. So I think the Jed Horror will have a lot to play with. And I think, I know some people wouldn't envy his position, but I think at the same time, you kind of look at it and say, you know what? He is in a pretty good spot. So we'll see what happens. And okay, so, so let's go to the other side of town for a second for your White Sox. The White Sox snapped their five game losing streak against the Pirates. Thank God I was starting to, you know, that, that I was getting, <laughs> look, you know, that, that, look, that Tuesday game, I mean, my goodness, I guess, the, you know, to try to split that, you know, that two game where you're like, oh, Lord, I hope they didn't, you know, that's the last thing the Sox needed was to be swept by the Pirates. But the good news is, you know, thank goodness for Gizmani Grandol, who helped snap mm-hmm. that skid, you know, they're doing, you know, they're playing the Mariners in their weekend series over at, um, the old, you know, you know, G-rate field. Sucks park. Well, well whatever. Sucks park. Whatever. So where, where do you see the, where do you see the White Sox? Are they kind of in yeah, a good But those of you right there now? watching YouTube, read the shirt. Read the shirt. That's what you call it, damn it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> On a serious note, though, sis, so what, what do you think about the White Sox and how do you feel about them as they're going to this weekend series against the Mariners? Yeah, Yasmani Grandal was the story offensively for 
for the Sox, right? The, the mm-hmm. Tuesday, you mentioned he had the three-run yes. home run. The bullpen yes. couldn't hold it. Of course, he had the two-run uh, uh, game-winning uh, RBI double on Wednesday to uh, to have the Sox w- uh, win that game. It, that was very important to stop that season high as of this recording, five-game losing streak. Uh, the bullpen held it down. Liam Hendricks uh, closed it out. Lakina, as you said before the season started, that uh, the middle relief was going to be a problem. It was on Tuesday. It almost happened again on Wednesday, but thank goodness it wasn't. I expect them to bounce back this weekend against Seattle. Hopefully most of the games will get in because I know we have a threat of yeah. of, of rain this weekend. Of course, your show will be out there on Sunday, so uh, hopefully the rain will hold off uh, for these games to get played, which I believe it will. So, But, but going back to on the field uh, – as we mentioned, the White Sox have a soft schedule coming up between now and the All-Star break for them to, quote-unquote, get right. Uh, we, we saw what they were against the Astros. Uh, the pitching, uh, starting pitching, they're human. They got exposed. Uh, the offense, or the lack thereof, got exposed. And we saw that uh, to a lesser extent against the Pirate, Pirates. Hopefully this weekend you're back at home, you're back in the sandbox, you yeah, you want to see uh, your big superstars like Tim Anderson, Johan Mankata, who's been struggling the last few weeks, Jose Abreu, who's coming out the worst month of his career in June. Uh, I want to see him do well as far as uh, putting numbers on the board. So it, it's time for the superstars to step up. And uh, it's no better time than you facing a Seattle team. I know they're lurking around 500, but they don't scare you. So you bring that attitude to the ballpark. You send a message to them and say, uh, we're the better team. You had to come through us. And so I'm looking for the superstars this weekend to step up uh, for the White Sox. Well, and like you said, so they have a soft schedule, if you will, with the Mariners series. And they have four against Minnesota next week. Then they have three at Detroit three at Minnesota, and they finished the first half of their season, three at Baltimore. So this is sort of the White Sox chance to sort of like, you know, pad their lead, if you will, because if don't look now, but the Indians of this recording are only a couple of games back. They're, they've been playing very well <laughs> lately too. So it's definitely, you know, you want to win, not just for your confidence and for your morale, but also because of the fact that the, the Indians are nipping at your heels. Yeah. As I said, you, you, you win your games against lesser opponents. You play at or slightly above, excuse me, 500 against the better competition. So for the White Sox, the reason why they have this record because of their record against against their division against below 500 teams. I know they haven't bid so well as much against 500 teams, but you can say that for the rest of the best teams in the AL as well. So the White Sox are joined by some great company. I'm using that in air quotes here. So for the White Sox, you you have a chance to get right. Um, you're playing Seattle. You're at home. This should be a sweep. And I'm calling it right now. I'm putting the pressure on the White Sox to sweep this team. You need to get back on track. There's no reason why you should be able to do that. You have uh, Dallas Keiko going on Sunday, which is the game I'll be at. I believe Lance Lynn is going this afternoon on Saturday. So mm-hmm. uh, you have your top dogs going for the White Sox. So I'm looking for, especially those two pitchers I just mentioned, they are pitching today and tomorrow. I'm looking for those guys to get back on track, but the offense got to help them out. This is what I call the get right part. If you're, if you're a White Sox fan, you have the, they have mm-hmm. the schedule I just mentioned, the sorger time to, at the very least, if, if not sweep, at least win these series. So that way you can kind of mm-hmm. like pad your lead against the Indians going into, cause I got the pretty tough schedule. They got to play Houston and Tampa Bay right before the all-star break. So they've got a tough schedule. So this is sort of your way to kind of extend your lead, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, the Indians are feeling like maybe they can have a chance. So 
we'll see. But I think, again, this is sort of like the part of your schedule going into the all-star break where you can kind of like get, get to that, you know, get the confidence back, you know, boost that morale and just, you know, get back to, you know, being where you should be. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown, which is me as we talk Chicago White Sox baseball. A couple more notes about the White Sox before I move on to uh, the entire uh, best and worst of the week in MLB. Uh, Adam Eanes again, not Adam Eanes, Adam Engel uh, was placed on the injury list again for 10 days the other day. I don't know if we mentioned that in our last episode, but, you know, the depth is uh, now hurt again for the Chicago White Sox. And we talked about it in our last episode. Uh, they're doing it with slightly, you know, I do mean slightly with Smokey Mirrors. Is this still a good ball club? Yes. Is it a World Series ball club? No. Can this team win a division as is? Maybe. Because the rest of the teams in your division minus Cleveland is terrible even though Kansas City is a little bit better than what people give them credit for. They're where the White Sox were two years ago. But with that being said, I think this team could make the playoffs with this roster that's St. Pat now, but that's about it. I think GM Rick Hine will make a move or two at the deadline, but for the White Sox fans that are panicking so much, I know the pressure's on this year, and I get it. But for if you want Rick Hine as of this moment to make a blockbuster deal, as we said in our last episode, blockbuster deal doesn't happen right before July 4th. It just doesn't. Yeah, and I so think I think that's... this will be carried up until the deadline, but yeah. there will be a couple of new pieces in here, I guarantee you, uh, by July 31st. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like, what, what Rick Hahn decides to do. Does he try to get another pitcher, or, or especially a middle reliever? Because that's really mm-hmm. what the White Sox desperately need. I mean, your bats are fine. Once Eloy comes back and you know, mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah, we'll see where they are in that front. But you definitely need another. Maybe Luis Robert in the middle of maybe, August. Maybe. 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 Again, that's maybe. still up in the air at this point. There hasn't mm-hmm. been any updates with him. But, you know, may, maybe maybe get you another starter. You really don't need another starter. But maybe get you a relief. That's probably mm-hmm. a middle relief, especially. That's really what this team needs. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're trying to not only win your division, but perhaps, you know, advance in the AL. You have to get mm-hmm. your middle relief going in. Maybe look, Rick Rick Hall's very creative. Well, you know, that that's one thing you can say about him. So we'll see what kind of moves he make. I think he will make a move. Who and where and when? That's those are all questions that we're gonna have to answer. Yeah, it depends on who they try to get. Uh you don't wanna uh raid your whole farm system. They don't have a lot as many people to assume that they have. Right. So uh, whoever the, this player is, whether it's Adam Frazier, who looked good against the Sox uh, earlier this week against the Pirates, is it him or is it somebody else that we don't know about right now? I just don't want Rick Hahn. I think he's smart enough not to throw away the whole farces just for a player that you may rent for a couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely something that I'm sure Rick Hahn thinking about. And I'm sure, you know, we'll, yeah, he's, you know, we, you trust Rick Hahn. So we'll see what he does. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick on the, uh, another injury front for the Southsiders, um, Michael Kopech was seen throwing off the mound uh, during their road trip, uh, road trip uh, through Pittsburgh the other day. So hopefully that's a good sign that he'll be back soon because he was the lightning run coming out of that bullpen early in the season. Of course, he had a couple of spot starts because uh, Lance Lynn, remember back in April, uh, he was given uh, the start off and Michael Kopech filled in tremendously. And of course, he um, Kopech did it again uh, next month, the next following month in May with the spot start. He had, I believe, it was ten strikes uh, strikeouts against the Rangers during that yeah. game. So, uh, the, Kopech is desperately needed in that bullpen. But l- l- like we've been saying, Rick Hahn needs to make another move to get another veteran arm in here for that middle relief. 
Yeah, she'll be very interested to see what he does and what moves does he make. And hopefully you won't have to give up some of your top guys that you do have in your farm system. All right, Sid. So let's go. Let's talk about the all of baseball. What impressed you? What made you scratch your head when it comes to, and I already know what you're going to say, but I have to say it, but you know, lay it on us. <laughs> you just said the magic word scratching your head. We were talking about uh, the rule from major league baseball. Uh, of course, it was a force this past Monday about uh, using illegal foreign substances for pitchers, starters and relievers. They're checked every at least the starting pitchers are checked every first and third innings uh, to see if they have anything illegal. And, of course, going back to Tuesday, as you mentioned, looking at scratching your head, uh, the Washington Nationals defeated the Philadelphia Phillies 3-2. to two. Uh, But that wasn't the story. <laughs> Matt Scherzer, who pitched a well of a game. I was watching this one on replay via my computer. <laughs> Matt Scherzer was checked already twice, mandated by baseball. He was checked again between the – Fourth and fifth innings, of course, manager Joel Girardi of the Philadelphia Phillies, he made a comment during his post-game press that, uh, of course, Joel Girardi was the manager of the New York Yankees when Matt Scherzer was pitching for Detroit. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm, I'm watching Matt Scherzer throughout his whole career. He never patted his head. And, of course, Scherzer said that uh, he has some gel on his head and tried to grip the ball, yada, yada, yada. But between, fourth, between the fourth and fifth innings on Tuesday night, Matt Scherzer was, quote-unquote, checked again. Of course, Joel Girardi was pouring – from the dugout to the ump says, check uh, Matt Scherzer again. After he saw Matt Scherzer uh, rubbing his head, of course, Matt Scherzer went out there and started throwing his hands up in the air, pulled his pants down, almost all, he almost pulled the Steve Cycle line. Someone else did that as well. We'll get to that player in just a moment. But <laughs> Matt Scherzer said, come on, come on. What did I do wrong? <laughs> and then both of them started yelling back and forth like five-year-old kids <laughs> uh, fighting for the most popular girl in school. <laughs> yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought the thing was just so hilarious. And, of course, uh, after the sixth inning when Scherzer was, was done for the night, Joe Girardi started yelling at him again from the dugout. Of course, Joe Girardi was, again, was uh, ejected. But Matt Scherzer said, well, what do you want me to do now? You want me to check it again? Start barking back and forth. Of course, the whole uh, Washington Nationals uh, coaching staff, including former Cub and White Sox player and now current uh, manager Davey Martinez started yelling back and forth. This was BS, or blah, blah, blah. I just find it the whole thing to be hysterical. <laughs> just, the, just the absurdity of it all. I mean, are we going to get to a point where this is going to happen just about every time? You know, or is someone going to have to drop their pants? Is someone going to have to, like, take off their shirt? Is someone going to have to, like, Like you know, airport security. <laughs> yeah. Are, is it really going to get to the point? drop in the pants part. Yeah, I know. I mean, are we going to have to, like, you know, someone going to have to check their hair? I mean, like, really? Like, you know, check their, their armpits or something? I mean, it's just absurd. And I, I hate the fact that baseball decided to do this, especially in the middle of the season, especially with things. This mm -hmm. has been happening in baseball for over 140 years. Pitchers have been using these, these type of things to sort of, you know, grip the ball and make it, you know, throw a mm -hmm. little bit – you know, a little bit faster. I mean, and it wasn't, there was no competitive advantage from it, but they saw, like I, like I said in the last episode, they saw that the home run numbers are down. They figured, you know, let's do something really stupid. And they've done just that. So mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that this doesn't start a trend. Is this going to be a thing now where you're going to have to, guys are going to have to, you know, like take off all their, their whole freaking jersey just to see that, hey, I'm not using <laughs> none of that stuff. Like, oh God, it's going to be, it's, look, it's going to be like, you know, a little bit of, mm. you know, what you see in Cinemax after dark. I mean, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> not that Remember, I watch. Remember, Lakina said that, not me. <laughs> I don't watch. But, not that I watch, but I'm just saying. Right. I swear. But uh, I was wa uh, watching that whole uh, scenario. I was watching the um, Washington Nationals broadcast team of um, 
Jay, um, Justin Maxwell, I uh, got his name right. He's the new uh, TV analyst. And uh, mm-hmm. Bob Carpenter, the legendary voice, uh, baseball voice, because he yes. did some stuff with ESPN back in the day for those of you uh, younger folks. Um, he Delana, said this. Delana, uh, Delana Mountain West basketball, or back then it was the WAC, but yeah, the early, all yeah. those West Coast yep, basketball games. Yep, yep, he did a lot of those. Okay. Yeah, facts. But but he said during that broadcast on Tuesday, everybody talks about the pace of play and how and how long these games go on. And he says if this continues, which we know is going to, I don't want to hear about a uh, uh, pace of play. That's, I thought about it for a couple of seconds. I said, he's right. Yeah, he is. This definitely slows the game down. I know as, as we mentioned before that uh, the umpires check the check the starting pitches every after every first and third innings and they yeah. check every reliever uh before and after um each inning i'm talking about other relievers so if uh, i'm with bob carpenter the tv voice of the nationals on this one uh, we talk about the pace of play uh, this takes longer uh, or distracts uh, the uh, the pace of the game i don't want to hear about pace of play this clearly slows the pace down yeah, this is just the, like I said, it's just totally absurd. And I hate that they did this, you know, especially in the middle of the season, you know, just to see if he can get the path, the, you know, the, you know, the home run numbers up and look, you look at what the Cubs did on Thursday. Look, none of those guys use any of that stuff. So I, I just find it kind of hilarious that this is going to be a thing now. Okay. So you're going to have to be checking guys. Okay. Let's make the base. Mm-hmm. Let's make the other game even longer. Oh, goody. This should be so oh, good. Okay. So yeah, so you can look, they can go pound sand with that too. So I, I don't know what else <laughs> to tell you. Uh, and speaking of another player that had his uh, on-the-field uh, on, on airport security, as we call it, moment, uh, during the same day, um, Oakland uh, took two, three out of, uh, from the Texas Rangers this week, but uh, during the same day, Sergio Romo, the former Tampa Bay, Bay Rays and San Francisco Giants pitcher, now pitcher for Oakland, uh, he was frustrated as well. He almost pulled the Steve Psycho Lions as well, pulling down his pants. Uh, he's like, you can have my shirt. You can have my glove. You can have my hat. I ain't doing anything wrong. Hey, check me. I ain't doing nothing wrong. Everything but... <laughs> God. <sighs> I, I... <laughs> like, Take yeah. over, Lakeet. I, uh, mm. I, well, let's, let's talk about stuff on the field because just, you know, just the ass nineness of it. This is just... I, I, I can't hey, take the this. wristband. Take my headband. Take my hat. <laughs> take my home run chain if you have to. You can have it all. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I'll talk about what's going on. on take the my field. dirty socks. <laughs> oh God. Okay, let, let's. Okay, you know. Okay, meet yourself there, Sid. But uh, Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> you know, he's up to eight home runs and 15 RBIs in his last five games at this recording. He's the only, the only other players. He joins guys like Frank Howard, Sean Green, and Manny Ramirez. You know for having such stats. He's now just one shy of tying the Nets Expo's record for home runs in a calendar month. So they've been, you know, Nationals have been playing better lately. So I would say, look, if you're the Cubs, maybe perhaps maybe give him, give the Nationals a call, but they've been playing better lately. So I don't think they're going to be trading anybody, but they've won five in a row. But what else, what else on the field has, you know, got caught your eye this week? Uh, Going back to, um, I'm not going to say Spygate, but um, Stiggygate one more time. Garrett Cole, uh, he, uh, he lost his last start uh, during the first game of their three-game series against Kansas City on, on Tuesday. Of course, the Yankees won the last two games of that series to take, 
to take that series at home. Uh, we, we talked about this in our last few episodes, looking at Gary Cole came from the culture of cheating from the Astros. Um, he started off hot for the season, but his last few starts, he has not looked good. You could tell that this new rule has really affected him. And we saw that on Tuesday night as the Royals stole the opening game of that series. And before the Yankees bounced back, uh, bounced back to the win the last two, uh, that, that's what jumped out at me there. Of course, uh, the Anaheim Angels did not look good against the San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, Lakina, it looks like they're not going away and, and sticking with the NL West. I did watch all three games of this series this past week. Congratulations to the San Diego Padres for sweeping the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm not going to sit here and say that these games didn't mean anything to the Dodgers, but San Diego has been playing on such an emotional high. They own the Dodgers this year. I think they won every game except for one this year against uh, their rivals. So, and this was the first time that the Padres swept the Dodgers in Petco Park in 11 years. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I saw that. And it was just, it was just fascinating to see that particular, you know, and, and, and look, it's good to see. It just, just, it was just great all around. And look, if you look at the division standings right quick, I mean, every division is still pretty much up for grabs. I mean, the AL East mm-hmm. is still up for grabs, you know, the Central, of course, as like I said, with the Indians, being right there by the behind the White Sox, you know, Oakland and Houston are going to be battling out for the West, the AL West. <laughs> um, like I said, the Nationals you know have won five in a row, so you know we'll see if they can you know maybe make a run. And probably with the, with the Mets, they've kind of had their struggles. You know, Atlanta just could, just can't get their stuff together. We talked about the Central, the West. I mean, mm-hmm. but the Giants are not slowing down. I mean, you know, Gabe Kepler, you got to think that he's definitely someone that could also, you know a guy that could also be right there for manager of the year in the national league. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be, yeah, like I said, it's going to be, look, you should be very happy, you know, despite everything else, baseball should be very happy with some of the things that, you know, what's going on, especially that a lot of these divisions are still competitive this late in the season. Oh, uh, and also too, the Boston Red Sox did battle with the Tampa Bay Rays early this week. Congrats to uh, number one baseball prospect Willie Franco, who came yes. up there shortstop. He hit his first home run in his first game. So, as we mentioned before, all these division races are tight. Uh, the, the Toronto Blue Jays took care of business early this week down there in South Florida against the Miami Marlins. But uh, Boston, uh, even though I still don't like their team overall, they're not going away. We know Tampa Bay, the defending AL. Um, champions, uh, they're not going away either. So there's going to be a tight race in the ALEs. Maybe Boston will be their team to fall off. I don't know. As as we'll we'll give you the uh, a week this weekend series in progress in just a moment. But uh, the Boston, uh, they're they're going to battle the Yankees. As I mentioned, the Yankees got their act together to win the last two games of the of their series this week against Kansas City. So uh, the AL East minus Baltimore is going to be a log jam. Definitely going to be a battle for those wild card spots as well. And talking about those weekend series, <clears throat> all right, you got the Phillies and the Mets. That should be a good one there in the, in the mm-hmm. NL East. That should be a fun one. Colorado and Milwaukee, that should be, you know, interesting series. I mean, you know, Colorado got the best of Milwaukee the last time they played it last weekend, so I'm sure the Brewers are going to want some revenge. Mm-hmm. Baltimore and Toronto. Yeah, especially the Cubs scuffle here in Los Angeles. Exactly. So that should be an interesting one there. Baltimore and Toronto. You got the Angels and the Rays. You got Atlanta and Cincy. You know, Atlanta just can't catch a break. Houston and Detroit. The Yankees and Boston. That should that's always a big you know series between the between those two teams. And mm-hmm. this this weekend shouldn't be any different. Washington and the Marlins. 
And let's see here. You've got Washington against the Marlins, uh, the Royals against the Rangers. Um, of course, Cleveland and Minnesota. We'll see if, you know, Cleveland trying to uh, say, you know, you know, stay behind the White Sox when it's striking distance. The Mariners. Yeah, Byron Buster got hurt again yes. for the Twins. Yeah, that's a deal. Twins are just not having a good season at all. They may they may end up blowing the team up. Who knows? And you also, of course, the Mariners and the White Sox. So it's a very interesting series coming up this weekend, Sid. Yeah, and tonight on Fox Saturday Baseball, for those of you listening on audio, obviously, uh, most of the country will get that Boston Yankees overrated series, even though I'll be watching <laughs> live via my computer. Uh, the other half of the country will get the Cubs and the Dodgers. So uh, Fox has uh, lucked out this week. So uh, all the uh, most of the markets will get the Boston and Yankees, and, of course, the other half of the country will get Cubs and Dodgers. So Fox lucked out this week for as far as their primetime coverage on a Saturday night. That's a and and also too Cubs and Dodgers will be Sunday night baseball too. So mm-hmm. they're getting you know both you know, the Cubs and the Dodgers are getting their national, national treatment these last couple of games. So tomorrow night. So make sure you guys check that out. Also to Pittsburgh and St. Louis to finish up the weekend series mm-hmm. and we'll make sure I got them all. And I think that's it. I think that's all I said them all. So yeah, so it's a really great series coming up this weekend. So make sure you guys check them out. All right, you're listening to Sega City Sports Weekend Edition along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. That's me. As we wind up this first segment, Lakina, let's hop on to the NBA playoffs. Let's start off in the Western Conference. Uh, games two and three were played earlier this week between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul did return to the lineup in game three. We'll review that game in just a moment. But look, first, Lakina, let's go back to last Tuesday's contest, uh, game two from Phoenix. The Suns eat one now, 104 to 103. Thanks to DeAndre Ains alley-oop dunk uh, with 0.9 seconds to go. Of course, Paul George on the possession before that missed two free throws, but he did lead the Clippers with 26.6 rebounds, six assists. Campaign. Yes, mm-hmm. right, folks. Campaign. The same one that couldn't play for the Chicago Bulls. He led Phoenix with 29 points and nine assists. Lakina, uh, the Clippers played better in game two. It was a, a hard-fought game. Phoenix uh, uh, continued the pressure, but as we said before, uh, it, in tight situations, it comes down to execution. The Phoenix Suns did it, and the Clippers didn't. The Clippers, if you want to make an argument, should have let Phoenix uh, with the 1-1 series tie. Yeah, and I think they're going to be kicking themselves about that, and I'm sure PG is going to be kicking himself too about missing those free throws. You know, the whole I know there was a, some you know like replay that lasted like you know those last few seconds lasted like almost a half an hour, but you know I guess they had to they had to kind of <laughs> make sure that that was all sorted out. But but I think like you said, Sid, I think you know if you're the Clippers, you should be you you know we'll get to the game three in a, in a minute, but you should be up in your series right now, and you let. An opportunity to slip away. I'm sure PG, like I said, he's kicking himself for missing those free throws. You know, but it is what it is. And look, I think, you know, Devin Booker, broken nose at all, you know, had 20 points. <laughs> um, campaign, you know, 29. Yep. You know, who, you know, no one saw that coming. So and DeAndre Aiden had 24. So definitely, you know, the Celtics were able to hold down the fort with CP3 not being able to play. So Look, I, look, I expect the series to go six or seven, so I'm not, like, if you're a Clippers fan and if we saw from Thursday, it's game three, you know, you shouldn't be freaking out, and and you shouldn't. So this is going to be a, you know, a good hot-fought series. The the Suns held serve at home, you know, even without one of their, their, their leaders. So, 
if you're the Suns, I think you, you should be feeling pretty good, at least for the moment. Before we move on to game th- review, our review of game three, Lakina, remember this, this, t- this statistic that I, I threw out in our last episode? Excuse me. Uh, Marcus Morrison, who was questionable uh, um, before games two action, he did play only 25 minutes. Uh, I said Marcus Morris Sr. and Nicholas Batum should have a combined 20 points. I said both those players combined scored 20 points. The Clippers would win. They failed 10 points of my expectations. Marcus Morris Sr., you could, even though he was injured, he only scored seven points off of three of 11 shooting. Nicholas Batum in 16 minutes of action, Hit one field goal. It was one for one from the three-point line. He only had three points. Lakina, uh, <laughs> it just didn't work out for those two in game two. Like I said, Marcus Morris Sr., I give him a slight uh, uh, excuse only because he was questionable before the game. You could tell he tried to uh, eke it out. But uh, um, Nicholas Batum, uh, I don't know what's going on with him. I, but, but I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that alone. Well, let's go to game three, which was, you know, a pivotal game three for the Clippers, and they were able to mm-hmm. pull it out. I mean, Zubik, you know, first time to start lineup this deal, this playoffs, had 15 points. Like you said, so Marcus Morris Sr., unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, he's been banged up, so that's why Zubik got in the lineup, had 15 points. You know, Reggie Jackson had 23, um, Paul George had mm-hmm. 27, and also, too, Terrence Mann had 12 points. So they got, they got a little bit of contrib- contributions from some of the – the guys on the bench. I mean, look, Luke Kennard, that was his birthday, by the way. So happy belated birthday to him. He had nine. Mm-hmm. He had nine points. So look, I think the Clippers did what they were supposed to do. They were able to, you know, they got to the other you know, three point early. You know, they struggled from mm-hmm. three, but they were able to kind of combat that by, you know, doing really well with the free throws. So, you know, the Clippers were able to kind of like overcome those struggles from three and were able to kind of pull it out. Yeah, the Clippers were in control throughout most of that game, except for the second quarter where Phoenix made their run. But as you mentioned, Lakeena, looking at the stat sheet here, the Clippers had a much balanced scoring. Patrick Beverly, you know, most of his minutes have been taken away uh, due to Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson has been the number two man for the Clippers uh, throughout this playoff run, especially after Kawhi's Leonard's injury. Uh, as we said on our last episode, assuming that Kawhi Leonard is going to be out, at least, at least for the rest of, of this series. But you, you, as you mentioned, Paul George, as of right now, uh, the criticism should be off his back. He's really carrying this team right now. He had balance scoring for Zubac, who got eaten alive on that last play defensively. Patrick Beverly came back with an eight-point piece. Nicholas Batum is still disappointing. He had four points. And so we saw playoff Rondo for eight minutes. He didn't do much. <laughs> so uh, Ty Lue is not really trusting him right now. So Luke Kennard, as you mentioned, uh, happy belated birthday to him. He came in a huge with those nine points, including those two huge three-point shots down the stretch. It's definitely, it was definitely put the game away from the Clippers. So, look, I think the Clippers, yeah, we'll see. Listen, we'll see what they're, you know, like game four. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. it. I think it's think it's definitely pivotal for the Clippers to, you know, eat mm-hmm. the series because you don't want to go back to Phoenix being down 3-1. You just, you don't want that. So, you know, hopefully they can do it. I mean, I, I think, look, we will see. I mean, I know some people were saying that CP3 was trying to overdo it, you know, because, you know, him being back for not being able to play those like, mm-hmm. those first couple of games. But, you look, he had 12 assists. I just, you know, unfortunately, they just they just couldn't hit their shots. They were only, they were only 10 for 32 from three. And when usually that's their – three points usually their strong suit. So you can tell that Booker was still kind of, you know, foaming away with that broken nose. So hopefully he's learned how to play with a mask. So we'll – 
we'll see what how he <laughs> looks with the mask on. But look, I'm I'm looking forward to see you know game four. This should be you know, game four should be a lot of fun. Yeah, game four is tonight uh, at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN. I believe the Clippers will even up this series. We'll be talking about a whole new series for our next episode set for Tuesday. Lakina, um, last series, of course, is the Eastern Conference Finals. Before we close up, shop for this first segment of Second City Sports. Oh, as we told you guys in our last episode, as we review game one between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Atlanta Hawks uh, pulled off the upset by defeating the Bucks uh, on their home court, 116-113. to 113. Trey Young was the story for the Atlanta Hawks, putting up a 48-piece to go along with his seven-rebound, 11-assist performance. Giannis Antetokounmpo from Milwaukee uh, led the team with 34 points, 12 rebounds, and nine assists. Lakina? As we talked about on our last episode of preview in this series, who is going to guard Trey Young for the majority of the time? We said Drew Holiday. In game one, it didn't matter who you, who you put on Trey Young. Trey Young was just in the zone. He did that little Steph Curry shimmy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, from Drew Holiday off that pick and roll early in that third quarter. And you could tell that it was just one of those nights, of, you know, if you're a defender, when your opponent has, is having one of those nights, so it's nothing you could do to stop them. And that's what happened to the Atlanta Hawks in game one. Yeah, and I think, you know, once – we look, we all know once Young kind of hits that zone, you know, you just forget about it. I mean – and, look, they had balanced scoring throughout them. I mean, look, you know, you know Collins, mm-hmm. Collins had 23 big points. I mean, you know, John Collins had 23. Mm-hmm. He's having a great playoffs. I mean, Kevin Warder had 13. You know, he had some big shots late. Yeah, had 12 points. I mean, I think this is just nice little balanced scoring. It wasn't all dependent on Trey Young. And look, it's going to mm-hmm. be a big task for someone to have to try to guard Trey Young. That's going to be a very hard thing to do. We know this. You know, people should know it. And look, I think the other guys need to step up with their defense. You just have to. Holiday needs to step up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He had 33, but, you know, he wasn't able to stop Trey Young when it counted. I mean, you know, Brooke Lopez, you know, step up a little bit there, dude. I mean, come on. You need to kind of help out a little bit more. <clears throat> P.J. Tucker, I mean, you're, look, you're willing to talk, but you're not, you know, you're not backing it up. So <laughs> you need to kind of, you know, show up a little bit too. So, you know, I know Bobby mm-hmm. Portis, you know, former bull. I know people still love him here in Chicago. Had 11 Bob points. Bobby! <laughs> right? I mean, he had 11 points. But... Except for uh, 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 Miritic. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, yeah, he wasn't a big fan of his, but that's another, that's another story for another episode. But, yeah, he had 11 points. Yep. So there just needs to be sort of balanced scoring from, you know, from the Bucks Because I think, I think the I think Bucks and their fans are realizing that, yeah, this Atlanta team's actually pretty good, and we probably should, shouldn't take them very lightly. Yeah, as we said in our last episode, Atlanta is going to be a, a team that's playing on house money. They're not going to go away. They weren't expected to be here. Give head coach Nick McMillan credit to, um, for getting this team uh, back on track. And Trey Young is playing the best ball of his career, not just offensively, but distributing basketball as well. As I mentioned, he had 11 assists in game one by the time this recording is out game two will already been played game three i believe is tomorrow so we'll give you our review of the next two games for our next episode but for milwaukee i expect them to uh, bounce back in this series and i expect them to be leading this series by the time we record our next episode for tuesday uh, next week so i i I believe this series is going to be a long series as i said uh milwaukee in six but Atlanta's going to give them the, a run for their money. This is just only the beginning. 
Oh, I, I think so too. And I think the books are realizing that maybe you shouldn't be listening to your local people and saying that, hey, y'all got the series. They're not going to, because I saw it. I saw it from some people in, in Milwaukee were like, eh, you know what? You know, you're not going to play that hard. You know, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's just happy to get to this far. No, they're in it to win it. And, you know, Trey Young even said during the post game, I mean, they're, they're in it to win it. They're not just going to be happy to be in the Western, I mean, the Eastern Conference Finals, I should say. They're in it to win it. And, Milwaukee better mm-hmm. wake up because if not, if they're going to be waking up. They're thinking, oh dear. So they better get it together. And I, and I think they will. I think the Giannis and, you know, and the crew will get it together. And I, and I think, look, like you said, I think by the time we come back on Monday, this will be a totally different series. I agree with you there. Uh, segment number one is in the books. Uh, segment number two, uh, stay tuned for more sports and more more fun as the weekend edition of Second City Sports continues with NBA coaching news. We have some other news from the sporting world and uh, USA basketball, both women's and the men's teams are set and plus a whole lot more. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Byrne, which is me. You're listening to weekend edition of Second City Sports. Your screen. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown, which is me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKidAU. That's S I D K I D A zero. S I D K I D A zero. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow us on uh, YouTube at War Media, once again at W-A-R-R Media. You can follow our podcast, which is the audio version, at War on Anchor. <coughs> Excuse me, once again at W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weoregoradio.com, for more information. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's continue the fun talking uh, NBA basketball. Uh, There's been a number of changes as far as head coaching is concerned. Portland and New Orleans are still vacancies as far as head coaches are concerned, but we have a few that are filled. They were filled earlier this week. Of course, the latest one was Jason Kidd, uh, the former uh, NBA player. He's now, of course, a basketball Hall of Famer, the former assistant coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now he's going to be the head man for the Dallas Mavericks. And the former Nike executive is now going to be uh, the GM. That's a little sticky situation there. Of course, the former head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, Rick Carlisle, of course, he won his title with the Mavericks in 2011. He's going, going back to Indiana, and he's going to have his second stint as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And Yumi Edoka, former NBA player, uh, a longtime assistant under head coach Greg Popovich in San Antonio, he's going to be the new head man, a.k.a. the actress Nia Long's husband. He's going to be the new head man for the Boston Celtics. Like, Anna, what do you think of these moves? Yeah, I like all these moves. I think, you know, Jason Kidd, I'm a little surprised by, you know, especially after what happened the last time he was there as a player. So I'm a little surprised that they, <laughs> we won't get into that, but, you know, you can Google, Google, Google yourself, Google it yourself, my friends. But uh, yeah, Nico Harrison is the uh, Nike executive. There's some like red tape that's being, they have to pull through, but, you know, we'll, I'm sure Mark Cuban will be able to pull that out with him as well. Um, 
you know, the Rick Carlisle thing, I'm, I'm not surprised. I know some people kind of wanted to make it like, well, you know, India, they didn't, didn't do the whole like diversity, you know, hiring your process, whatever. I guess Brian Shaw, apparently he was interested in the job. But look, if you got someone like a Rick Carlisle who, who was actually successful there when he, when he was first there, you know, has a championship, mm -hmm. has won a championship since then, you, I don't care who you are, you're going to try and get him, with all, especially with all these coaching vacancies. So we'll see how that works out mm -hmm. for him over in Indiana. Idoku, I mean, look, despite what, you know, what some people might say, this is not the piece, not the first black coach for Boston. They're, they've had like five. Thank you. That, that's, you know, for, you know, for anybody that wants to tell you otherwise, there have been black coaches, there have been like five of them. So we'll, you know, he is number six, but yeah, I, I mean, look, I think that's, he's a good fit there. I know people are kind of wondering, okay, when's Nia Long going to, you know, going to be their court side <laughs> TD guard, but you know, yeah, that's another, <laughs> that's another story there. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, the, the roster's there. There might be some turnover next year, you know, a smart might be leaving. So, you know, that, that's just, mm -hmm. again, that's all depends on how, you know, how the roster is, but yeah, I mean, I think these are some, you know, these are like, these are some good fits. Like, like you said, Portland's still looking for somebody. New Orleans is still looking for someone. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all this sort of like sorts itself out. Well, going first to the Dallas situation, Jason Kidd, um, getting his uh, third stint as head coach, of course, his two previous staffs, uh, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and they did not end well. <laughs> we all know why we'll leave that alone. But I think things will be different, hopefully, this time for Jason Kidd. He's getting a good team in Dallas. I know they have a couple of free agents, I believe, including Tim Hardaway Jr., who's a free agent this summer. So uh, that team may, uh, may need a, a point guard. They may need another They need another shooting guard to go along with Luka Dantic as well. I know mm -hmm. uh, Christos Porzingis, who had his moments this year. He's been the healthiest ever since he's been in Dallas. But he, he had uh, uh, his moments uh, after the playoffs saying that he, that he wasn't happy as his role as the quote-unquote second man. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if they could do anything with him, so he may mm -hmm. be stuck there. But uh, Jason Kidd has inherited a playoff team. Uh, the question is now, can he take that team to the next level? Will he have the roster to do it? You have uh, Luka Doncic, who's a top five, top ten player in this league. Can you give him the right pieces around him to, for you to go to that next level? And I think that's going to be the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> Can he get that, like you said, that secondary person to kind of play with Luka? Because I think that's sort of like the thing. I mean, we know Luka's great, but again, a lot of the guys that has been around him has not been very good. I mean, Porzingis had a lot of injury issues, you know, and things like that. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Dallas does during the offseason and some type of move maneuvering because they've got a pretty sticky cap situation themselves. So it's going to be very interesting mm -hmm. to see where, where this goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens there in Dallas. And also, too, I like the move for the Indiana Pacers, bringing back Rick Carlisle. I know it's been a long time since he coached there the first time, but he has a young roster. I like their pieces, point guard Malcolm Brockton. And mm -hmm. you have Miles Turner there as well. Of course, Nick McMillan did a heck of a job a couple of years ago until uh, Victor Oladipo uh, got hurt. He was a top five, top four MVP candidate just the last couple of years there for Oladipo was injury played in, in Nick McMillan. Um, didn't see the six, playoff success that – most people expected much of that was due to Victor, Victor Oladipo's injuries. So, um, uh, of course, Indiana let him go before this past season. So uh, Rick Carlisle is going to have uh, a challenge as well, but uh, he gets the most out of his players. They still need another, another start. Where are they going to get that? I don't know. But 
in the short term, I really like this hire for the Pacers. You're really uh, taking the young team to the next level. Are they a championship-level team? No. Are they a playoff team? Perhaps, but you still another, need another big piece. Yeah, I think that's going to be the thing. Now, what about Boston? I don't know what they're doing in Boston. I know they traded away Kimball Walker. I know he has any issues in, that may right. uh, play a factor as far as uh, where Mr. Walker ends up for the rest of his career. I know they brought back Matt Horford, but I, I don't know which direction they're going to right now, Lakina. So I, we'll see what happens there. Uh, joining us right now, he is the sports, he is the sports anchor over at CBS2 Chicago WBBM TV. We enjoy his work every night, Monday through Saturday. Seems like he's working every day, <laughs> day of the week. He's Mr. Matt Zahn. You can find him on social media at Matt Zahn Sports. That's once again at Matt Zahn. That's Z-A-H-N Sports. That's Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Um, sir, welcome to our show. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I'm a little late hopping on here with you guys. No problem. It's no problem oh, that's, at all. <laughs> that's okay. We just happy to have you. Um, we were talking about uh, the NBA. Uh, of course, we'll start off with the Chicago Bulls. And of course, um, we were going to get into this in, uh, in, during this segment, but Zach Levine has been selected to the USA National Yay. Uh, uh, basketball team for the Olympics <laughs> in Tokyo next month. And, of course, the Bulls have been a story uh, in a positive sense of uh, this past season. Of course, they failed to make the playoffs. But uh, first, your comments on Zach Levine uh, uh, go uh, going to the Olympics next month in Tokyo. Yeah, obviously, it's a fantastic opportunity for him. And, you know, to me, it's sort of a continuance of what's been like this breakout season for Zach Levine. He finally gets his first all-star appearance, and now he gets to go joined the Olympic team for the first time in his career. Um, you know, some people talk about maybe he can recruit some guys there. I, I doubt that that probably happens, but, you know, maybe that's an added benefit. But, yeah, this is going to be a great experience for him and, and I think probably help him make him a better player as he goes forward. Now, Matt, what about the Bulls for next season? Unfortunately, they didn't get that top four protected pick, yeah. so no first-round pick. So, so Don't they, be surprised. We guys know how some Bulls fans are. You know, they were all like, ah, crap. Yeah, that was a wasted, you know, <laughs> trade. But, but Matt, what, what do you think? What, what can the Bulls do? I mean, there is some, you know, salary cap issues and such. You know, Lowry, whether or not he comes back, some guys will probably be gone. So what, what's yeah. your synopsis for the Bulls? Yeah, my, my guess is Lowry's probably not back. Um, you know, they gave him a chance to sort of show what he can do, and I don't, I don't think he showed him enough last year. Um, yeah, obviously it stinks to not get that top four pick because um, if you could have gotten one of those point guards there, that would have been perfect. Um, now they're probably going to have to go out and find a way to acquire one. Obviously, Lonzo Ball is the name you hear the most. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, it's hard to say at this point because we don't know a ton about our tourists exactly what he's going to do. Um, but I, I think obviously point guard is going to be the big place they go after, especially with, you know, even if Kobe White hadn't gotten hurt, I think they were still going to look in that direction. Uh, but now I think that's especially the case. I do – I still like the trade. I like going for it for Vooch, even though they didn't make the playoffs and they lose the first-round pick. Um, I wish he was a year or two younger, but uh, but I still think it, it's going to work out to be a, a good thing for them. And sticking with the Bulls, speaking of the young, young court, uh, give us your assessment on, on the rookie season of Patrick Williams. I know he was only, he's only 19 years old, but right. I really like the upside uh, of Mr. Williams. He, he has it uh, in terms of, of defensively, but offensively, I think he uh, has some work to do. But I'm really excited for this young man starting next season. Give us your assessment of his rookie season. Yeah, I agree with you. Upside, obviously, sometimes a dangerous word when it comes to talking yeah. about players. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, he came in. 
I think far more polished than most of us thought. Cause he, you know, obviously the big story was he hadn't even started in college, but I think that was more mm -hmm. of just a, he was a right. freshman on a veteran talented team. Um, I really liked some of the things he showed. Obviously there were some struggles down the stretch, but I think that was more, you know, just him getting used to his first rookie season. I do like the potential of Patrick Williams. Um, you know, if you ask me what the ceiling is, that that's hard for me to answer. I, you know, I don't, is he a superstar at some point that that seems maybe a little high. Um, but it, it does seem like he has what it takes it to develop into a pretty good player. And, and I liked a lot of the things I saw his rookie year. Well, let's go to the diet for a second, second, Matt. Um, I teased uh, Sid about this um, earlier when we were recording. Um, the White Sox won you know, they with their series with the Pirates. We're going to win, you know, losing streak. Yay! <laughs> right. So, uh, but, you know, they, they, they have, you know, their, their tops in their division right now. Do you, what do you think, what kind of moves do you think that Rick Hahn will make before the trade deadline to make this team, like, not only elite in their division, but elite in all of, you know, the American League, and perhaps maybe in a World Series run? Yeah, well, it seems to me, and probably to most people, that, that there's kind of at least two definite moves you want to make and then a, and a third one. Um, it depends on how much you want to give up, how high do you want to go on that, you know, do you want to go all in on this one year? Um you could certainly say the way Rodon's pitching, the way Lance Lynn's pitching, both of them are only in one-year deals. Maybe this is the year to go all in. So, you know, it depends. If you, if you don't think you're going to get Luis Robert back, I think you obviously got to find some outfield depth. Maybe you could fill that with one person. Maybe you get somebody who can play second base and outfield because you need somebody at both of those positions right now, I think, pretty desperately. And then the other thing, some, some relief help, like maybe another righty in the bullpen because um, that, as they talk about, the bridge from the starters – Two Hendricks has been very shaky. So that, that would be the places I would go. And I, you know, I guess it depends on how much, if, if they think you want to go all in or do they want to extend this window? That's the question you got to ask if you want to, you know, how high do you, how many prospects do you want to be given up to get these guys? We're talking to Matt Zahn, a sports, sports anchor and host for CBS2 Chicago Sports, WBBM-TV on the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. Matt, let's stay with the White Sox for just a moment. Of course, the big elephant in the room, no pun intended, is manager Tony LaRusso. You can say what you want to about the hiring uh, last offseason. Of course, uh, that quote-unquote controversy with your man Mercedes with that with the series against Minnesota last month but give us your assessment of on Mr. LaRusso so far me personally despite all those distractions <laughs> he's a perfect manager for this uh, still young veteran team you can talk about the veterans with uh, Dallas Keuchel he, he's been there before and some of the other other guys like Jose Abreu but this is still a pretty young ball club and uh, Tony LaRusso I believe still the perfect manager for this team yeah, I don't know if I'd call him the perfect manager, but <laughs> um, no, but you know, know what I mean. I, He's the right manager. No, I, get you, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, obviously he he has had some bumps in the road, as you expect for a 76 year old who hasn't managed in 10 years. Um, and I haven't agreed with a ton of things he's done. But you know, to your point, it's hard to argue with what has happened. I mean, they've lost two of their best players and another key infielder, and they're still playing good, good baseball. Now, personally, I think you could almost start, you could argue that in baseball, how much does the manager even matter? As long as he doesn't get in the way, you're probably doing, <laughs> you're probably doing all right. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's more about just sort of managing their, I don't even, not, egos isn't quite the right word, but just, you know, keeping the team together and keeping them along on this 162 game season, I think more now than little baseball decisions, I think. Now let's go to Northside for a second, Matt. Um, 
Yeah, this is sort of like unexpected. Cause I don't think anybody thought that the Cubs would be where they are right now, tied for first place in the National League Central. I don't know if you, I don't know if you had that. Right, right. I mean, I don't think anybody, anybody, I don't think anybody did. So, yeah. can the Cubs contend, or can Jed Hoyer make any kind of moves trying to make this team perhaps maybe a, a legit contender in the National League? Yeah, I mean, well, there's certainly a contender in in the National League Central. I mean, that that's. That would, you know, when you said nobody thought that they would win, I mean, I guess we thought they could maybe compete in this division because it just, it frankly isn't that great. Um, I don't know if there are enough moves out there to to make them a contender for, for like, you know, if you're going to say go all the way to the World Series because there's a lot of good teams out there. The Dodgers, the Padres are clearly better, although they've taken care of the Dodgers so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, is the pieces you'd want to add are the pieces you had. <laughs> you know they, they need a they need a frontline starter you darvish you know they could use a, a bat Kyle Schwarber <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the White House could use Schwarber too but that's yeah all right but yeah I, I you know as long as they stay atop the division I I think they have to be buyers you know um we're, it's the big, you know, we just had the reopening day at Wrigley Field. You're going to celebrate, you know, you want the fans all pumped up. And while you're in contention, you're going to sell off some of these players. I don't think that happens. I, I think they will. I don't know if it's an all-in go for it, but I think they, they will try to add some stuff to, to at least give it a shot. Uh, let's stick with the Cubs pitching staff, Matt. Of course, they made history on Thursday night with their first combined no-hitter in franchise history, uh, shutting out the Dodgers for nothing. Zach Davies was the starter for that one. Of course, uh, Paul Schaefer and, and closer Craig Kimbrough uh, uh, yeah. finished it off at the end there. Talk about this Cubs bullpen. Uh, the, uh, it was one of their Achilles heels in that shortened season last year, but this year, you know, despite their struggles until recently, uh, they've been uh, – um, They've been the forefront for this team, especially given uh, their struggles offensively. Talk to us about the Cubs bullpen. Perhaps the best in the National League, maybe the best in baseball? Yeah, especially those three, Tapera, Chafin, and Kimbrell. Um, and I think I even tweeted out last night that uh, the way they pitched all year, they kind of deserved the shot to be part of a no-hitter because they've been the best pitchers yeah. on the Cubs. Right. Um, and then once those guys got in there, it was pretty funny. You pretty much, you know, you, you figured it was going to get done. You didn't, I didn't expect any of them to give up a hit at that point. Uh, but yeah, they've been amazing. Um, you know, Kimbrel, whatever he's found <laughs> has, uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been a rebirth <laughs> and he, he's dominant right now. And those other two to and Chafin, you know, you, that, that gives you the best, I mean, that's probably the best seven, eight, nine in baseball right now, um, <laughs> to see those guys. So herein lies the problem with the Cubs. If their starting pitchers could just give them six decent innings, most nights they're going to be in the game, but that that's been a challenge at times for them. All right, let's go to the ground for a second, um, Matt. Uh, the Bears, you know, things are starting to look up for the Bears. They drafted Justin Fields. It looks like me. But then, you know, <laughs> Eddie Dahl's the QB1, and then all this other stuff started happening. And then and then Matt Nagy said, well, you know, Dahl's our quarterback, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what, what's, your, what's your opinion on this? Because I know that there are some Bears fans yeah. that are sort of like, right. you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. What, 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 what do you think, Matt? So – yeah, I, I'm, I'm. My guess is Andy Dalton does still start Week One, pretty much no matter what. Um, and I'm not. What I can't tell is I'm not sure if Matt Nagy is just absolutely saying Andy Dalton is a starter, so we don't. So he doesn't have to deal with quarterback controversy, quarterback competition. I don't know. Maybe it might even be to take some of the pressure off of Justin Fields all during training camp. Because if he said 
this is a wide open competition. I mean, all eyes are on every pass every single day. Um, so maybe this is a way to sort of let Justin Fields just learn, take some pressure off him and let Andy Dalton start from the get go. Now, do I think Justin, I, I think Justin Fields is going to be on the field sooner rather than later. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I can't see any scenario where Andy Dalton is so great that you, that you can't play fields. So I think this is more about letting fields just sort of ease in a little bit. Even though the Bears have been a playoff team two out of the last three years, Matt, uh, we know how last season ended and it ended ugly because everybody mm-hmm. in the front office, including <laughs> head coach Matt Nagy, is, was brought back by the McCaskies. But uh, I'm looking at that defense. Of course, Khalil Mack is still yeah. dealing with his uh, injuries to his knee. Of course, Eddie Goldman sat out last year due to COVID concerns. He's supposed to be back this year. This defense is getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see this – where do you see this defense? Because – Right now, it's really at the middle, to be honest with you. We saw what they did last yeah. last year, carrying them to the 5-1 and one record, despite head coach Matt Nagy, who I do not trust on uh, mishandling that <laughs> quarterback situation. But where do you see this defense heading to 2021? Yeah, that, that, is a, that might be, you know, you take, obviously the quarterback competition is going to get all the questions, but where, how good can this defense be is probably one of the big questions with this team. Um, and I think a lot of that might lie with the new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Like, how much do you believe in him going back to sort of the Vic Fangio way, as opposed to Chuck Pagano, um, you know, how much do you blame on Chuck Pagano? Those questions are going to be answered. Like how much was it Chuck Pagano's fault? How much was it just the defense regressing and falling back, you know, because their sacks were down, their turnovers were down, all their big plays. Um, Yes, they're getting older. Yes, they lost Kyle Fuller, but there's still a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And if Sean Desai can call things right, maybe more of a Vic Fangio style, I, there's a chance. I, I don't see a reason why this can't be a top 10 defense again. Um, you know, if, if the offense can be a little better too, that would certainly help them because obviously they've been on the field a lot the last few years. Well, let's, let's stick with the offense there, Matt. Um, Allen Robinson, you know, he got, came to minicamp. It does like, he says, he's not going to hold out for training camp. He is going to be there on time. So what, what, what do you think his, his sort of you know, ceiling is this season? He's got the franchise tag. I'm sure he's going to want to try to play for a big contract. Can he be productive, though? Yeah, I don't, I don't think – to me, it doesn't seem like Allen Robinson is the kind of guy who is going to let this affect his play on the field, just from, from the many times talking with him. It doesn't seem – he seems like he's going to give it his all no matter what's going on with the contract stuff. Um, and if he can get some better quarterback play, imagine how good he can be. I mean, because he's been great with super shaky quarterback play pretty much his whole career, you know, yeah. before here, he had Blake Bortles, poor guy. Um, so if we can give Allen Robinson quarterback, <laughs> that would make Allen Robinson happy. That would make all of us happy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he is as solid as they come. I don't see any way, you know, even with bad quarterback play and even with the contract stuff that he doesn't have a highly productive season. We're heading down the home stretch with CBS2 Chicago sports reporter and host Matt Zahn right here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I'm Cindy Brown. Matt, of course, we had to address the big elephant in the room regarding to the Chicago Bears. It's been in the news for the last couple of weeks. And uh, the Bears organization, the McCassies, put in a bid to purchase the Arlington racetrack course. They land out there in Arlington Heights. Of course, they're currently will be up following the 2033 season with the, with the city of Chicago. Uh, I get the sense that I think the Bears may be serious this time because, of course, uh, 
for got for people that are listening and watching us outside of Chicagoland area. Uh, Soldier Field, as we know it, there is the smallest capacity in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Of course, the city of Chicago, i.e., the Park District, owns that land, and the Bears do not own that. They had to ask the city for permission to upgrade uh, Soldier Field. Uh, what is your thoughts about it? Me personally, I think it's uh, serious enough to take, and I, I think the Bears eventually will uh, get up out of here. Uh, for a business sense, uh, this yeah. makes sense for them to make right. this move. Now, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with that too. But from a business side, it obviously makes sense. There, you know, the problem is uh, there just isn't any room by Soldier Field. Right. Uh, it, it's hard mm-hmm. to get in and out of. It's you know, there's uh, we all know there's tons of issues with it. Um, part of the problem, though, moving to Arlington Heights, which wasn't talked about, I don't think a ton as this has gone through, is how much it would cost. You know, obviously, you talk about the business, you're going to make some money, but how much it costs to build mm-hmm. that stadium. Yep. Taxpayers are yeah. going to be paying a lot of that. You know, the McCaskies, mm-hmm. while they're rich for us, um, <laughs> among <laughs> owners, they, they, they are not. They're, you know, they're the bottom 10 or so of the league. Um, so if we're talking about a billion dollar, $2 billion stadium and everything around it, that's going to be a, a lot of taxpayer money that's going to have to come in. Um, so that also plays a role in it. Too, a role in it. Um, it's just like a fan on the outside. I think it would be exciting if they were able to move to a new stadium and have a whole sort of like Bears district out there. There's just, you know, the, the big thing is there's just so much more room. They could, you know, a lot of these teams are doing this. They, they're not necessarily in their parts of their city. They're building out and they're building these little <laughs> villages around basically. And that's more revenue for the team. All right. All right, Matt. Um, you, you, you know, covered sports in Wisconsin for a little bit. Uh, yes, we I have to, we have not talked about it much here, Sid and I, but the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers and that ah, whole saga. <laughs> I mean, I, I just like I'm I'm, I'm kind of over it. I mean, I'm hearing all this stuff, right. and what 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 what's your take on it? Because I, I personally, I think he will go to training camp. I, I just don't I just don't see why he wouldn't at this point, right. especially after everything. So what what what's your take? Yeah, he sure is being kind of a diva, isn't he? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so much prayer far before yeah, you I was just got to say, it out of here. Like, yeah, come being on. A quarterback in Green Bay, like eventually, you're like, okay, now I have to be a total diva. Um, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like know what leads them down that road eventually. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I it's, I, I can't see any scenario where the Packers trade him, and I can't see him sitting out. So, I yeah, I th- maybe he doesn't show up at the beginning of training camp, but I think he's going to be their quarterback this year. Um, to me, you know speculation purely here maybe this is about um his new I can't remember they're married yet. i think it's just fiance the, the shailene um yeah. the actress um you know maybe you know he just with, being with her he wants to live out west somewhere and doesn't want to live in green bay anymore for half the year um which at times you can't blame him for that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know but he can't come out and say that so maybe that's where you get this sort of manufactured problems with the organization and you know because really other than drafting uh Jordan Love last year what have they not done to do everything they can for Aaron Rodgers basically you know they and they've been close to the Super Bowl multiple years recently so you know his complaints sort of don't hold water um so that's why I think there may be more to it than just he's mad at the Packers because that doesn't seem right Let's go back to basketball, Matt. Of course, um, as Lakina mentioned, you worked in uh, you're from the state of Wisconsin. Of course, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals for the second time in three years. They're facing the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but overall, are you enjoying these NBA playoffs? I know some people are saying that without LeBron, without yeah. Steph, now without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, 
and uh, without Joel Embiid, uh, uh, these playoffs are not going to be as interesting. I, I said uh, debunk that. Uh, yeah. Me personally, <laughs> uh, I've been I've been enjoying these playoffs. Uh, to be honest with you, we should take it as far as yeah, uh, I, the I, teams I mean, remaining in these NBA right. playoffs. I, I agree totally that it's exciting. It's not like you know back in the '90s or so when we'd have some of those like terrible net Spurs finals with no real exciting, you know, no real exciting play like yeah. these these guys maybe we don't know but there are a lot of exciting players left I mean like Devin Booker you know Chris Paul Chris Paul yes. making a shot um you know obviously it'd be nice if Kawhi was still in there um but yeah and the, the Trey Young Giannis like these guys are fun exciting players to watch uh, I definitely don't think because we don't have LeBron in here again it's it's not and, and some of those other guys. I, I don't think that's taken anything away from this. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, LeBron and AD won in a bubble last year. And that was that that exciting? <laughs> well, right. it wasn't really that great. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that's just a cop out. Um, and then, of course, everyone will talk about if the ratings are down at all. You know, that'll be the thing that everybody goes to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, OK, we'll, we'll talk about college sports for a second. Um, you know, Illinois has new head coach, you know, Brett Bielema, now back in the Big Ten. You got Northwestern, of course, with Pat Fitzgerald. Do you see either one of these teams kind of making sort of a, a run at the Big Ten West next, you know, this coming season, I should say? Yeah, I would guess probably it, it takes at least a year or two for Brett Bielema to sort of instill, install what he wants, uh, get all his players in there. So I'd be surprised if they were competing right away. Um, you know, Northwestern's always good. Um this might be a bit of a step back year for them too. Um, so I guess, I guess I would say I'd be surprised if either of them were, were able to compete. Although the big 10 West sometimes isn't as tough as, you know, right. This <laughs> is the toughest division in all sports, That's true. Um, but, yeah, but, it, but they did win it last year and then gave Ohio state a run for a little bit. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Sticking with college sports, Matt, of course, uh, earlier this week, the Supreme court uh, had a ruling uh, or it looks like it's going to get a step closer to college athletes. Uh, getting paid not like professionals but uh they, they they they'll get some type of fair payment of course we all know throughout the years that the, the ncaa as an organization mm. have been a bunch of crooks to be honest with you mm. i'm just um put keeping the language clean but uh <laughs> what do you but is it, but given this landscape of college sports especially college basketball if you're a college basketball player some people some of the prospects are going to the g league even though there's a few spots right. but if you're a college basketball player uh, if you're not getting the plan, playing time, you can up and leave and go to another team right away. So this uh, that world has opened up the door for that. But now it looks like we are set close for at, for college athletes to receive correct reimbursement. I'm just keep yeah. keeping it really <laughs> correct here. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're talking about like the name, image, and likeness is supposed to go into effect mm -hmm. um, in some state. You know, obviously it's now the NCAA is acting like it's what they want. They really just are saying that because it's a mess mm -hmm. now and they don't know how to fix mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, obviously college athletes have been exploited for forever. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's ridiculous too. I guess this is at least a small step. I, you know, I don't know where it goes. Do we, you know, even when you get to paying them, then that I, I, I have a feeling there's going to be tons of complications if we get to that point too. Um, but yeah, obviously they deserve, you know, it's crazy when like Nick Saban can make what $8 million and then yep. add on mm -hmm. double, triple that with his endorsement deals, guys on the team, technically not yeah. getting anything. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It is yeah. true. Um, but yeah, obviously this is a good step. Uh, um, hopefully it leads to more 
ability for these student athletes who make so much money for these universities to get it, it's stupid I mean, they deserve their share of the money yeah <laughs> you know <It> is. <laughs> yeah that's basically it, what the supreme court said this is stupid you can't have people working for free <laughs> <laughs> exactly wrapping things up with cbs2 sports anchor reporter matt zahn now um matt you know well let, we'll stay we'll stay with the, the college aspect for a second going into men's hoops um Loyola and DePaul both have new head coaches. Um, do you, and also with the transfer portal, they've actually been able to get a yeah. pretty good haul with some of their guys. So do you see any of them kind of being sort of like that, you know, get, yeah. getting that big step? Yeah, Loyola should still be pretty good. I mean, obviously most of their senior class came back taking advantage of that waiver rule, um, yeah. other than Cameron Crutwig, who was probably their best player moving on. But, yet um, they should still be, I would think, uh, especially in, in their conference, in, in competition for a title. And, you know, maybe they can make another run at the tournament. Uh, DePaul, I would say, I would wait and see a little bit with DePaul. I mean, because there's, there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, for whatever reason, they just um, they haven't been able to get any traction. Um, it just hopefully uh, this new coach, Doublefield, can get them going in the right direction. But until I see it, I'm not going to expect too much out of them. See, Matt, you and I could go go, go with the uh, go talk about DePaul like, for a good half an hour. So it's it's, it's, it's absurd, <laughs> just the absurdity of it. But again, yeah. you know, that's another that's for another time. <laughs> okay, okay. Go ahead, Sid. <laughs> yeah, Lakina's benching on this DePaul basketball. <laughs> Thirty years of frustration, Matt. Thirty years yeah. of frustration. Well, it just feels like you're in Chicago. You should be better. <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Last. Last question from me, Matt. Of course, we have a lot of uh, people, especially young people that that listen to us and watch us. And of course, uh, they want to do what we do, and they eventually want to get to the steps that that uh, the stage at where you're at right now. Of course, you covered a whole lot of uh, major events uh, throughout your career, working across the country. What's the uh, main ingredient that's that you attribute to your uh, longtime success as far uh... as your sports broadcasting career? Yeah, I would say, well, first of all, what you guys are doing is a great, just doing stuff. Uh, like, um, uh, yeah, I'd say my best advice for anyone is just um, reps. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. The more you do it, the easier it is. Um, you know, when I first started doing I was running around. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but the more, <laughs> the more reps you put in, uh, the better. Um, make contacts with people. Um, the, mo the more contacts you have. Um, the more, you know, that person maybe knows somebody who knows somebody where a job is open and they can put in a good word for you. Um, yeah, just always, and I see, yeah, maybe the number one thing is control what you can control, like working hard, mm -hmm. doing all you can, putting in the reps, because there's a ton of things in this job and in many, in most jobs that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. So as much as you can control, like you yourself being a good employee when so much of it is subjective, I would say that that is it. And just keep grinding. All right, wrap it up, Sid. Yeah, I just want to say before I move it on with Lakina, I tell people all the time, you know, you have to be versatile in this business yeah. as well. Yes, you do. Uh, me personally, being on our podcast side now, I used to do radio, you know, I did updates, I booked guests, I still book guests for, for this show, but yet I did updates, you know, ran the board and uh, I, I did everything else. So you, uh, especially in this uh, social media age now, yep. you can't just limit yourself to 
one or two jobs. You have to be yeah. seen, you know, but there's uh, we're doing Zoom right now, not just being heard, but you've been seen on YouTube yeah. and other outlets as well. So you, you have to be mindful that uh, I, I say this all the time. We talk about uh, uh, sport, uh, uh, sports media news also on this show, you know, how people watch their games. It's not when we grew up, not to age ourselves, yeah. but you know, <laughs> you can't just watch, you can't just, we don't watch sports and listen to it on just TV and radio anymore. Right. It's streaming and yeah. all other uh, aspects of how we consume our sports. So uh, the, is, the new age is here. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I just, yeah. I tell people all the yep. time, you know, you, you do what we do, do what you do. We get to your level and more. You have to be versatile. Yeah. Versus, yeah. That is great advice. Being as, learn as much as you can about, every aspect um because you never want to not be able, like you never want to lose something because oh i don't know how to do that so just yeah being as versatile as you possibly can be um and especially as we go forward be willing to adapt as well I, I agree and because you know also too for us females especially females of color i mean don't i i've done all that all such as it's done i mean i, I did updates mm -hmm. i booked guests i you know, still, still do that. Um, you know, we did radio show for years, and now we're doing this. So I would say, just don't limit yourself. That's sort of like the right. best advice I can give, too. <laughs> yeah, agree, hundred percent. All right, that was Matt Zahn, a sports director, a sports anchor and TV host over at CBS Two Chicago Sports. You can follow him on sports show, on social media, I should say, at Matt Zahn Sports. That's M A T T Z. A-H-N Sports. It's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Once again, Madzon Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hopefully I got that correct. You Matt, did. You nailed it. Media. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you, for, yeah, thank you for joining us. You keep up the great work, young man, and let's do this again soon. All right. Please. Appreciate it. Thanks you so much for having me, too. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank Stay you. Safe. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you. All right. Once again, that was Mr. Matt Zahn, sports director at CBS2 Chicago Sports. He does a great job. Watch him every night on uh, WBBN TV Channel 2 if you're in the Chicago land area. Lakina, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's uh, wrap it up. We, we want to talk about uh, USA basketball, both the women's and men's rosters. They, they are now final. We talked with Matt about Zach Levine uh, making the men's team. Uh, James Harden's going on there as well, along with Chris Paul, who's currently playing in the playoffs with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it's it's, just, it's an interesting sort of mix there, right? So, I mean, you got Kevin Durant, Damian mm -hmm. Lillard, of course, Levine, Booker, Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, excuse me, Chris Middleton, Kevin Love, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Grant Williams, and Jeremy Grant. So, First look at this roster. I mean, the paint, you know, the paint sort of, the paint protection is going to be a little bit of an issue there, I think. But I guess, you know, with Durant and I guess Love, I guess that's where the size is going to come in. You've got guys that can shoot, you know, especially with Lillard and Levine and Middleton too. And also Tatum. Um, Grant Williams is, you know, a versatile power forward. He can, he can, he can, he can shoot. I guess he can kind of go for the paint, too, if you need that. So, and mm -hmm. Abbebio, I think, can also do that, too, on the inside. So, mm -hmm. I like this roster. I know some people are kind of, you know, and look, you know, look, how, how do you feel about Kevin Love being on the roster? I know certain people feel like, well, you know, look, a lot of guys didn't want to play, you know. LeBron exactly. Said, LeBron said that the last of us is going to be his last one. So did Carmelo. Um also, to Steph Curry said he didn't want to go. That's how Zach Levine got in there. So I, I think people need mm -hmm. to kind of like you know chill a little bit. And they've actually sent they've actually sent black players all, an all black team before Jalen Rose. They did it in the last Olympics five years ago. <laughs> they did it four other times before that. So if you know 
I, I, I had to, I had to let it out there, uh, said because he was just, he just annoyed me what he said this, uh, yes, uh, on Thursday night. But that's another story. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, how do you feel about this team, said? Because I, I really like the makeup of this team. Yeah, I, I'm not too surprised about about the makeup of this team. We talked about this when we were doing our radio show. Uh, uh, of course, this is all before the shutdown. But uh, who was going to make this team? Uh, and I said, who? who who of the new NBA stars needed to get that extra shining and needed to get the extra attention. I said, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard. Now both those guys are on the team. James Harden, I'm glad he's on the team. How, uh, how will that hamstring hold up? Because remember you know, that was bothering him in the play playoffs. I know that he's not playing because the, the nets are eliminated, but I wanted to see how long that uh, hamstring will hold up and how much uh, uh, minutes he's going to play. Yeah, and I think look, I think look, Pop, I think Pop will get the best out of a lot of these guys. I think, and and, and look, I know this is not this is not isn't this like, is the last Olympics coaching as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And okay. um, look, this is not like '92 when U.S. was you know dominating teams by like like 80, 70 or eighty points. That's just those days are gone. You got the the mm -hmm. world's the world's you know collectively is a lot better now. But there's no reason that the U.S. Yeah. shouldn't win the gold medal. That that that's just me. That's just my perspective. I know. Look, I know people were a little you know. A little sort of, you know, antsy after the or five years ago with uh, in Rio because they were mm -hmm. close. You know, the the games were kind of kind of close. But again, mm -hmm. look, the world the world as a whole is a lot better at hoops now. And and look, I, I think look, I, I think this team's more than capable of winning the gold. I think look, you've got you've got a nice you know nice little mixture of guys. You know, a lot of youth. You know, some experienced guys have been on Olympic teams before in KD. And I think that's probably why Kevin Love was mm -hmm. brought brought back to kind of. Bring, also bring that experience for a lot of these guys. It's going to be their first time mm -hmm. in the Olympics, so I think that actually helps. I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I think this. Look, I think I really like this team. I really do. I like it as well. It's going to be uh, tougher than what people expected. Like, like you mentioned, it's not the superstar roster of years past, but you know, this is a new age NBA, as you mentioned, Lakina. Uh, all the the majority of the NBA superstars that we that we watch on a nightly basis, they play for their for their a homegrown country, so that which makes the competition that much tougher. We've seen that over the last 20 plus years or so, uh, including 2004, which was disappointing. But I'm not going to work myself up for that foolishness. But anyhow, but <laughs> but uh, this team should be in the gold medal game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be as easy as people expect, but uh, I, I I like their chances. I like yeah, their chances. I I I do too. I think I think this is a this is a really solid team. I think look. Like I said, a lot of guys, you know, have already said they were going to, you know, I, look, I think it's good that these guys are committed to playing for their country. But instead of, you know, mm -hmm. going on, you know, going on a tangent about, well, Steph didn't want to play and this guy didn't want to play. Look, let's get, let's concentrate on the guys that, that do want to play. And I know Matt said that, you know, may, maybe, look, I think maybe Zach can probably, you know, recruit a couple of guys. I think there are a couple of guys that I'm sure that I'm sure Bulls fans would love having, but again, you know, you why not? Know. <laughs> sure, you might do a little bit of recruiting. You're going to be there for about like a month. So yeah, why not? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Uh, quickly before we close up shop, uh, the women's roster. The only complaints that I've heard that that this is a majority of S, uh, ex uh, UConn Huskies roster. I think over half the roster is former uh, Huskies players. And I said, if this is the best that you have, so be it. Just go give me a gold medal. That's all I had to say about that. I just <laughs> found th those comments for some quote unquote experts to be just silly. Be honest with you. 
Well, I think some people were sort of perturbed that the current MVP for the WNBA, Nanike Alagonie, I can't say her sister's name right either, Chanae, so that's probably, I I can't say her name right, but uh, yeah, she's the current, um, the reigning WNBA MVP, she was left out. And okay, yeah, half the rosters, you know, are people that you know, or Yama coached me. It was like UCon- when they were at UConn, okay, whatever. But I'm, I'm not like, look, there's just shows that there's a lot of deaf in women's basketball. And I know some people want to say favoritism and such, but okay, whatever. Unfortunately, look, unfortunately, mm-hmm. when it comes to the Olympics, especially when you're picking, you know, people, there is going to be some politics yeah. involved, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm not going to like, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, this person didn't make it. Okay, whatever. I'm not. I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I mean, look, Super is still playing at a high level. She's 40, so I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not gonna begrudge her. I mean, look, she can still play at a very high level. So I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, she can't play on the team. Okay. No, I'm not gonna tell her that. No, no, she can still play. So I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Look. She's look. I'm I'm jealous. Totally jealous that she's still playing at a very high level at her age. But now, you, now that's making me feel old. I remember she entered the league, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. Look. I mean, it, it, it's fine. I mean, like I said, just 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 go get the gold medal. As long as they win the gold medal, and they, and they should. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. Any other stories or anecdotes before we close this um, edition of Second City Sports out? Gotta give a shout out to the Montreal Canadiens. They're back in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 93 when they won it. And oh, that stick incident with Barry Murrow's and the LA Kings. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that infamous Stanley Cup, but yeah, um, gotta congrats to yeah, those, Wayne those Gr- That cost Wayne Gretzky his cup with the Kings. Yeah, so... He <laughs> with the Kings, yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that, Sid. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, you gotta... <laughs> we'll look, I mean, after a long wait, we'll see. You know, Game 7 will be played already between the Lightning and the Islanders, so we'll see who mm-hmm. the Canadians play. I know it's weird because the Canadians are supposed to be you know, Eastern Conference, but again, with the way the realignment mm-hmm. is, you know, everything was the COVID be- finals. Yeah, so that's probably what's <laughs> no going to so, Yeah, so it's going to be, yeah. look, they're the third team in the expansion era to reach the Stanley Cup with the worst record in the playoff field. They joined the 2017 Preds mm-hmm. and the 2010 Flyers, which the Hawks actually beats to win that Stanley Cup, but that's again, that's another sh- Yeah, we won't talk about that either. <laughs> <laughs> We got to bring our good friend, uh, Rachel Kopchak back. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've been following her on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she she's been fired up for these playoffs. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll watch the Stanley Cup final only because of the NBC's uh, tenure will end. Yeah. And I know I'll shed a few tears because I know whenever they – whether it's game four, game five, game six, or if it, whoever plays goes to game seven, I'll shed a couple of tears because NBC hopefully will do a montage – I know we, uh, Doc Emery, who's retired now, uh, uh, the majority of those clips of those calls will go to his voice, including those three Blackhawks Stanley Cup championships. I was shed a couple of couple of tears yeah. here and there because uh, the the end of an era NBC will, will be ending. Of course, I'll be looking forward to uh, uh, the NHL on TNT. Of course, ESPN will be returning to the fray, uh, covering hockey full-time with games next season. I definitely cannot wait for that. And since you brought up hockey, Lakina, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, 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 just a congratulations to Mr. Pat Foley uh, next season for the (laughs) 21-22 season. Uh, He'll call his uh, 39th and, unfortunately, final Mm -hmm. season for the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, you are reading uh, reading reports over the last couple of days. uh, the Blackhawks were not interested in renewing his contract. He wanted to do a 40th season, perhaps beyond that. But uh, 
uh, next season will be his last season. Of course, the organization said they'll they'll be doing tributes to him all season long. Uh, usually, the Blackhawks organization uh, they do the right things, but as we talked about, Lakina, uh, John McDonough, who's no longer there, he got let go during the pause last year before uh, the qualifying tournament in the bubble last year. Of course, Stan Bowman still has his job. That's a whole nother issue. Of course, you have that. Uh, the sexual abuse case going on yeah. right now from a unnamed player from the 2010 team. And so uh, it, it's just a big old mess right now. And we won't get into the, 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 no, the, 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 the case to, part of it because yeah. they still, yeah. they're still ongoing. We'll comment on more when, as the more information comes out, but uh, getting back to Pat Foley, um, he's in a hockey hall of fame as a broadcaster. Uh, he was inducted there a few years ago. So uh, Pat Foley, uh, he's been the soundtrack to all of our lives as Chicago sports fans and hockey fans in particular. Of course, uh, old man Bill Wirtz uh, no longer with us. Uh, he let him go uh, prior to the lockout following the 04 season. Of course, uh, Pat Foley stayed until did the Chicago Wolves games. Of course, he was brought back uh, before prior to the 08 09 season. He's been there ever yeah. since. So uh, he's a Hall of Famer for sure, no doubt about it. And uh, it's going to uh, – uh, next season is going to be one for the history books. I wish I could say that the Hawks could end it with the Stanley Cup t- title. I don't think that's possible, even though I no. think the future is so bright for those guys over there. But for Pat Foley, uh, next season is going to be one to remember. I just want to say congratulations to Mr. Foley, uh, Hall of Famer, on a great career. Next season uh, will be uh, interesting. Uh, to watch and listen to his uh, historic calls. Yeah, this is definitely going to be the end of an era. And I, I hate that they, mm-hmm. they that the Blackhawks didn't give him that 40th, that extra years, because he mm-hmm. kind of like 40, you know, a nice round number, because he is sort of the voice of the yeah. Blackhawks for our childhood, Sid. So not that we're raising ourselves yeah. or anything, but I mean, <laughs> you know, sharing stories. Look, I know some people want to get on him for some of the stuff he said last year that was, quote, unquote, not PC. But look, he's old school. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. look, I'm hope it's going to be very interesting. Now we'll see if Eddie Ochuk, you know, decides because his, I think his year is up after next season too. So we might have a totally different, you know, TV, you know, Blackhawks TV crew. So play by play crew. So yeah. So I'm definitely, you know, some of the games, you know, I can, can go, go on on talking about some of the games that he's the legendary games that Foley is called. And there have been a lot. And, you know, yeah. we'll, again, we'll, we'll share more about it as, you know, the year go, the season, the next season goes on. But, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we'll have somebody on talking from their, their perspective about him at this point. But, yeah, this is definitely going to be the end of an era for Blackhawks and for Blackhawks uh, and for the NHL period because, you know, he's just, yeah. you know, was just dynamite from start to finish. And he's definitely going to be a voice that will be missed. Yeah, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, uh, Doc Gamert retiring after last season. Of course, Pat Foley will retire after uh, after next season. So uh, the great ones are are are, are going away. I know we we'll always we we'll always had to make room for the next generation. But as you mentioned, Lakina, Pat Foley has been uh, the voice of Chicago Blackhawks hockey for for many fans for uh, for generations. So. For three uh, three plus generations, so almost four decades. So, uh, congratulations to him on a great career. Next season should be and will be fun as we listen to him behind the mic uh, one last time. Uh, as we bring this show to a close for this week, Lakina, take us out. 
Uh, all right. Well, also, too, you know, some good news to for you in the hockey front. Mark Messier will be a studio analyst for ESPN for their hockey coverage. So we'll talk more Probably about that. Probably Kevin Weeks as well. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll look at We'll talk more about that. Also, the Euros are starting. Round of 16, the knockout rounds. So that should be a lot of fun. Also, you got the College World Series going on, too, right now. So definitely a lot of sports, you know, in addition to the playoffs and baseball. So. You know, it's going to be rainy here in the in the in the region for in this next few like next several several days, I should say. So, when I grow up and watch a little bit of sports on your perspective devices. Now, yeah, just hold off the rain for the Sox games because this uh, so is reopening weekend. Yeah, it should. Yeah, you should yeah. be fine. I think from the from the weather forecast, yeah. like you guys should you guys should be fine. Yeah, right. so it's reopening weekend for the White Sox. You know, it's open up to 100% capacity. As we said in our last couple of episodes, you know where to go get your tickets. Sox fans, don't complain anymore. This is a good team. Go watch your White Sox play. It's open now. Uh, this team is good. They need, they want, and need your support. And also to bring your umbrellas and your ponchos, kids, because it's going to be a wet series, if nothing else. With that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Oscar McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, the Twitter and the IG and these social media streets, as the kids would say, mm-hmm. at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And you can follow this show, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media, once again at W-A-R-R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. You can, for a sneak peek, you can catch our audio version of this podcast at War on Anger with Your Ops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio version, we are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes on your podcast platforms, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. For more information, that's W-E-A-R-E. R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. Yes, and we'd like to thank our special guest, Mr. Matt Zahn, uh, sports director at CBS2 Chicago Sports, for hopping on with us today. You can follow him on social media at Matt Zahn Sports. That's M-A-T-T-Z-A-H-N Sports. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd like to thank him for joining us today. All right, so for Sid, I'm Lakina. Stay warm, stay safe, stay dry. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, for Sid, I'm Lakina. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you next week. Go Sox. Till next time. Holla.